Well, welcome to another Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Love giving free stuff away. Love, love, love it. And I'm very grateful for the different uh, publishers that we work with and the folks who uh, um, you know, are, are, are very kind and generous with the resourcing that we look for uh, to be able to share with you. Of course, uh, Crawford Broadcasting operates for-profit radio stations, as you know. Uh, we have commercial advertisers who buy time. Uh, as we say in the industry, to promote their products, promote their services, things of that nature. You then hear them here on the radio and say, I want to check out, you know, if I get into an accident. I, matter of fact, I, I was just uh, in contact over the weekend with a bottom line show listener who is uh, has Steffi Cover handling a personal injury case for them. They're thrilled with the way things are going. It's been a long, slow, tedious process for them. It's taken about seven, eight, nine months to get to this point, but they're getting near their settlement, and we're super excited that Stephanie's provided great biblical counsel for them. We know Dennis Wilson has dozens of bottom line show clients that have, you know, here we are in our 12th year on the air, and uh, Dennis has been with us almost every step of the way, providing good godly examples of stewardship and leadership and how to steward God's money the most effective way to build the kingdom. Uh, and so I, I can't recommend them enough. And of course, our friends at Preborn, uh, we have a partnership with them. And if you've called 833-850-BABY recently, the bottom line show, I, I don't mind saying this. I mean, it, it, what was the old Dizzy Dean line? Bragging ain't bragging if you got the facts to back it up. It was just about this time last year. It was the first week in October, 2022, when our friends at Preborn, who had been part of the Bob Duco show in Detroit for about a year, and had just jumped on and started partnering with us on the National Crawford Roundtable, uh, began to notice that quite a few people from NCR were listening to K-Bright and making contributions. So they said, well, why don't we, uh, we'll, we'll put a few, uh, we'll place a few of our resources here as well. And in the first year that we were on the, uh, on the air, um, we were on, remember, we were on the air for three months with Preborn. And during that time, Preborn raised enough money for the whole year of 2022 to play 65 uh, ultrasound machines in clinics all across the country. And six of those were from bottom line show listeners in the first three months we were on the air. But you guys are amazing. Thank you for your continued support of Preborn and all of our advertisers. But uh, one of the great things about Preborn, we like to say, <laughs> I mean, think of it this way. If you were involved in an accident and you wound up getting a settlement, You'd call Stephanie, of course, to handle that part of it. Then you'd call Dennis Wilson to say, what do I do with this lump sum to make sure I don't screw it up? And Dennis would show you how to invest it wisely so you had enough of the proceeds to invest in an ultrasound machine with Preborn. See how that works? Everything just kind of flows nicely together. But rest assured, one of the things that we don't take lightly here at the Bottom Line Show is the fact that the the folks who partner with us, you know, whether it's you as a listener, Dennis, Stephanie, the folks at Preborn, and others who have partnered along with us uh, over the years, um, it's a ministry first. The other stuff is details, right? You know, there are taxes to pay and electric bills and, you know, employee wages and things for a for-profit radio station to pay. But first and foremost, the heart is ministry. And I can assure you, we have had so many people come our way and either try to advertise that didn't work or uh, they, you know, maybe they wouldn't, you know, mess around with us. You might listen to other Christian radio stations even and hear lots of other people who are advertising throughout the course of the day and wonder, well, why are so many of them advertising there? And on Bottom Line Show, we're very selective. Well, we are very selective because there has to be that spiritual fit first and foremost. If we just open the door for anybody, then we would just be, it would be a revolving door, but you deserve better. 
and we believe that God deserves better. So we're in a position where we can do that. We do that. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a ministry fit. Dennis and Kathy Wilson and Lisa and I have dinner together on a regular basis. We're praying for each other and our families. Uh, Jim and uh, Stephanie Cover and I haven't had the fortune of getting together with uh, Lisa and me yet, but uh, we're all friends. I mean, there's text messaging going back and forth. There's happy birthdays and Merry Christmases. And I mean, it really is a great relationship. And the folks at Preborn, Scott and Lauren and the whole team there are so wonderful to work with. And um, even our friends at uh, other ministries that we've done work with, they aren't doing work with now. They're, they're still trusted friends. And of course, Greg Harris at Through the Bible and the team at uh, Dave King and everybody at Leading the Way. I mean, just... It, it, uh, Starting out this uh, Everyone Wednesday day today here, just with a word of thanks to you for supporting those who support us, but to let you know that first and foremost, the name of the game here is building the kingdom. I mean, uh, I'm not rich, but any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> I mean, that that's not the reason why I've done this and, and why I continue to do it. I do it because God called me here in the Crawfords, you know, see that calling as well. Same thing with my relationship with Dr. Dobson and the Family Talk program. So I, I, I can't stress enough how important it is to let God lead in the ministry that you're, and, and do the same for the ministry that you're called to. And understand, of course, that God calls some people to, uh, you know, some ministries that get a lot of notoriety and others that are kind of behind the scenes. And I was, I saw this meme I, it might have been my wife who sent it to me. She loves these little TikTok, Instagram memes. But it, it said, it had the, the letters POV, which stands for point of view, which is kind of a, uh, a way of, the, you know, this is, this is how I see it. And they show, uh, you know, the meme at the top says, pastor saying, this work is the work of God. It's anointed of him and, you know, designed to bring people to Christ. And then it says, also pastor's POV. And it shows this guy coming in. He's in an all white suit. He's got the suspension string things behind him. He jumps off of a platform that's got to be 100 feet in the air, does a somersault, the band's playing. He raises his hand when he lands on the crown and is praising God that way. I thought, yeah, not every church experience is going to be like that. And some people might see Jesus in that, but, you know, there are people, men and women, boys and girls are coming to faith all over the world in any manner of different ways. There are Muslims, Dennis and Kathy just got back from a, a trip to Niger in West Africa, where the majority of the country, I mean, 95% is not only Muslim, but radicalized to the point where they will burn down churches. And Dennis's team has helped to build dozens of churches while they were there. They just finished building another one in honor of his son, Brent, who is now with the Lord. And it's just, it's beautiful to see the kingdom working the way it's supposed to work. Now, all of that big old preamble to say that we have a cautionary tale to kick off the program with, with regard to uh, a church that is actually getting hammered right now because of a relationship that they entered into. And I, I, again, I don't fault the church for entering into the relationship. Where the danger is, is that where we need to be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. There's a church in Joliet, Illinois, Messiah Lutheran Church who began to receive some funding several years ago from a, um, a fundraiser, a fundraising organization uh, called Today's Growth Consultant. And they were making contributions to the church to help with a building fund. The church is 120 years old, by the way. And they had been receiving donations 
from a businessman who over the past decades has been very generous to them. $780,000 in total donations from this businessman over 10 years. Now, you know, let's, let's be real. If we were to do a, a guide star search of Messiah Lutheran Church in Joliet, Illinois, we would find out a little bit more about how they file their taxes. Churches have to file tax forms, even though they have a 501c3 status. And you're probably aware of this if you've been on the, uh, the membership committee or the donation committee, church board, elder board, uh, presbytery, registry, whatever, uh, what's the term that my brother's church uses, uh, session. If you've been in any kind of leadership, you know that when people make a donation to the church, the donation is tax deductible to them and you file the paperwork, but then the money has to be accounted for with the Internal Revenue Service. And if you have a budget, I'll say of a half million dollars, then at the end of the year, you have to fill out the nonprofit tax form that shows that this is the money you took in and this is the money you put out. And in theory, every dollar that comes in has to be accounted for in terms of doing the work of your ministry. Now, it could be, you know, uh, paying salaries. It could be uh, renovating property. It could be buying supplies for an outreach you have. Um, it also could be paying property taxes. It could be keeping the electric bill on. I mean, those are all things that, that have to be accounted for. And it's important for churches to do that. When it comes to fundraising, though, and this is a, I just, I, I cringe every time I think of this because I grew up in a church. I mean, I, I went to several, my, as my dad was uh, moved around from church to church as he was, his role as a choir director, minister of music. The church we stayed at the longest, Lake Hills Community Church, which is now uh, for the friends in Southern California, if you like the teaching of Pastor J.P. Jones at Crossline Church, that church was built as Lake Hills Community Church. It was part of the Dutch Reformed Church in America, RCA, and it was an offshoot of the old Crystal Cathedral, uh, Robert Schuller's Church in Garden Grove, Garden Grove Community Church. And we had 53 acres of land and a couple of years worth of funding from the mother church that started on March 11, 1973. Oh my goodness, that was 50 years ago this year. But what happened is then the church lost its support from the main mother church and other people moved away. And then the county made it impossible to build, wound up selling off two thirds of the property just to get something going. It wasn't until 14 years after they started the church that they actually completed the fellowship hall and then the sanctuary. Well, the fellowship hall is completed relatively soon. Sanctuary took 14 years to build. And within 15 years after that, basically the, um, uh, or, or, or 25 years after that, the church went under. But there was always a fundraising campaign going on, always. The above and beyond campaign the Forward in Faith campaign, the you know, gifts campaign, whatever you want to call it. And sometimes you'd hire a professional fundraiser who would come in and, and say, hey, let's rally the troops. Sometimes there was a special building fund. A lot of churches do this. I'm not a big fan of those programs. And when you take a look at what Mount Juliet or Mount, uh, what Christ Lutheran Church in Juliet, Illinois is looking at, you may not be a big fan of them either. They're looking at potentially a 120-year-old church being forced to shut their doors and sell off their assets because of a court judgment of nearly a half a million dollars against them simply because a guy who is a convicted felon who had turned out to be running a Ponzi scheme made donations to the church 
over the last 10 years. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of this story coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's Everyone Wednesday, and just to whet your appetite a little bit, uh, pastor and author Brian Heasley is going to join me uh, in the next half hour to talk about why it is so important for people to understand the value of being still, stillness and simplicity. This is the guy who's the, uh, the ministry 24-7 prayers, international prayer director, and he's written a book called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times, which we have up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have not one, not two, but three copies of Brian's book that we're giving away today, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Kenneth D. Courtright III is a resident of Illinois. He was a parishioner at Messiah Lutheran Church in Joliet, Illinois, a congregation that's been around for 120 years. <clears throat> and for about a 10-year period that he uh, was a member of the church, he was also operating a Ponzi scheme. No one knew it. They thought he was a successful businessman. No one questioned the fact that over a 10-year period, he donated $780,000 to the church. But now the Securities and Exchange Commission said that his company, Today's Growth Consultant, actually raised at least $75 million from more than 500 investors throughout the United States in a Ponzi scheme that operated at least from 2017 through 2019, possibly even more. Now, just in case you're wondering, the Ponzi scheme is the, I sell, I have a car and I sell it to you and somebody else. And so somebody else says, hey, wait a minute, you gave me money for a car. And then you, oh, wait, I got to come up with another car for you. So I need to go buy a car from someone, but I get the car from somebody else and I get it at a slightly discounted price. And then I tell them, hey, if you let me uh, have the car right now, I will get you the money, uh, all the rest of the money, all in good time. And so then they turn around and give the car to somebody else. And next thing you know, they're selling things they don't have, taking money that they take in for new issues and play, pay off old debts. And pretty much by the time you get to the end of the line, uh, the people who are holding the bag lose their money outright because you keep finding new suckers, I guess, to invest. And if you've ever been ripped off by one of these, you know how terrible it feels. Um, according to court documents, Mr. Courtright actually used his Ponzi scheme to pay personal expenses. He paid his mortgage. He paid private school tuitions for his family. I mean, 75 million bucks. But wouldn't you know it, as a good tithing Lutheran, 
He gave about 1% of that, because if he took in $75 million, a tithe would be $7.5 million. He paid about $780,000 to his church. Now, chances are, if you look at the budget sheet for uh, Messiah Lutheran there in Joliet, that, you know, his $70,000 a year contribution, that might have been a third of their budget, a fourth of their budget. No one really knows. But one thing they do know now is that the federal court has issued a judgment against the church. Basically saying, look, of the $780,000 in donations that you received, you need to pay back $487,000. The church was horrified. I mean, when you talk to the people who uh, are you know, running the financials there, they said, look, I mean, as far as that money goes, it's gone. I mean, we don't have it. We have a special fund where we've been collecting and taking in donations above and beyond the tithes to do some repairs and stuff for the building. But every year that Mr. Courtright made his contribution, that went into our general fund. It was not earmarked for anything in particular. And we used it to pay salaries. You know, we used it to uh, buy coffee, you know, for the uh, in-between services. I mean, we, the cash, the physical cash is actually gone. So while he was presenting himself as a good church-going Lutheran, Mr. Courtright was actually laundering some of his money and getting a tax advantage as well. Beth Hostiel is the leader of Messiah's litigation committee, uh, which they now have because they have to fight off this legal challenge. She said, well, of course we don't have that money. We used it for ministry. We used it for youth camp. That money is long gone. When we tell someone what's happening to our church right now, the first response is generally, how can that be? That doesn't seem fair. And you know what's interesting is James Murphy is an attorney with Mahoney, Silverman, and Cross working with the SEC. And they say, you know what? You're right. It isn't fair at all. But under Illinois law, and the SEC's lawsuit is coming filed in the state of Illinois, it allows for something called, I hate this term, but it's very true. It calls for a clawback. There's a clawback option for um, the the SEC to actually go after if someone like this guy who was unscrupulous in stealing people's money and running a Ponzi scheme, they look at his donations to charity as just a way to launder the money, just to bury it. And so they're saying, we have the right to claw back. This type of lawsuit isn't just anti-discriminatory against churches. It can be brought against any nonprofit organization. As you can imagine, a guy like this who has stolen $75 million in a Ponzi scheme would be looking for any nonprofit organization to donate some of the money, get a little tax relief, but also just to, to know that it would be gone. The church received the demand letter from the SEC they were expecting a payback of $487,000 by November 15th. The church had a building fund for repairs and improvements. It had about $187,000 in it. And so on August 28th, the church said, basically, we're going to empty our savings. We're going to empty our building fund. We have a little contingency. And in all honesty, as far as the contingency goes, um, any nonprofit organization, like a homeowners association or something like that, has to keep a certain amount in reserve. So by law, they would wind up putting themselves out of business if they touched any more of the money than just the money that was set aside in the building fund. So the $487,000 is now $300,000. And that amount is due by 
November 15th. But here's the problem. They don't have the rest of the money. The church says they don't have the remainder. And if they are not able to make the payment by November 15th, the amount owed will then increase to $587,000. And the church's assets can be frozen and their property can be sold. Now, Brian Webick is the president of the church council at Messiah Lutheran. And uh, Brian's comment is the SEC receiver made it clear she doesn't care if Messiah loses its home. And she does not care if Messiah's congregation is left without a place to worship. This is a true David and Goliath story. But may I submit to you, brothers and sisters, why I would respectfully disagree with that statement? I'm going to tell you why on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Brian Easley is hanging on the uh, balance here. He's waiting, uh, warming up, Brian Easley, I should say, uh, to share with us about A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. His book, Be Still, is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It is our Everyone Wednesday giveaway today. We've got not one, not two, but three copies of that book to give away. And of course, everybody who calls in is going to win something. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line and i can assure you that if you win a prize from the bottom line show no one from the sec is going to call back about a month later or a year later and try to claw back that book um, the securities and exchange commission has set messiah lutheran church in joliet illinois in its uh sites because a congregant there turned out to be a fraudster, um, a, a man by the name of Kenneth D. Courtright III, who had been running a business called Today's Growth Consultant and had been making donations to the church as a parishioner there for about a 10-year period. And over 10 years, he gave $780,000 to the church. And in exchange for that $780,000, of course, he got a nice tax write-off every year. But it turned out that uh, about $487,000 of the money that he gave to the church was money that he'd stolen from people in a Ponzi scheme. And now the Securities and Exchange Commission wants their money back. The church has $187,000 in a building fund, which they will empty to try to pay off some of the debt. But if they don't come up with the other $300,000 by November 15th, then that four eighty-seven becomes five eighty-seven and their assets will be frozen and the church could be sold. 120 years in Joliet, Illinois, and it could be sold. The president of the church council at Mount Zion says this is a David and Goliath story and I will respectfully disagree. And here's the reason why. We have to do a better job of being more diligent as churches as to where donations are coming from. If there are two or three families in your church that are giving the bulk of the money, you better know who they are and you better know where they're getting their money from. Now, this is not to say you don't trust God, but at the same time, how well do you know your parishioners? This is not a massively big church, number one. Number two, if the SEC comes in and basically takes over the property and sells it off, how much equity is in this church? Is it not possible for the church to take out a mortgage or to refinance an existing mortgage and pull an extra $300,000 out to satisfy this debt, my hunch is it may be. But if it is not, and the church is that overextended, then maybe, just maybe, it's time for the church to find a new place to worship. Brothers and sisters, we spend so much time thinking we're under spiritual oppression because someone's coming after our church building. 
while we have brothers and sisters in Africa and Niger and South Sudan and Afghanistan and Pakistan and Russia and Ukraine who are all worshiping in foxholes. Do we really need another big 300,000 square foot church to be the church? How are we using these buildings? Having been part of a church congregation for 30 years that had a beautiful piece of property, that had a preschool that operated five days a week, but as far as the actual church itself, operated probably five hours a week. How are we stewarding these resources? I don't want to see this church close. Nobody should want to see this church close. It's unfortunate they got hoodwinked by a guy who was a swindler. They thought he was operating in good faith and they got fooled. It would be an awful shame to see that church shut down. But at the same time, if the church is worth more than $300,000, which my hunch is it is, I'm looking at an aerial shot of the property here. It's a big building. It's a big piece of land. Is this the best use for this property? May all of us as Christians be more mindful of whom we, do we know our parishioners? Do you know your church family? Do you know what kind of work they do and what kind of family situations they have? To the pastoral staff at Messiah Lutheran, guys, we got to open up our eyes. But also when it comes to the money and the issues like this, why are we being, how could a church find themselves in this situation? And I asked that question somewhat rhetorically. We'll put the article up at thebottomlineshow.com. Please pray for our brothers and sisters at Messiah Lutheran Church in Joliet, Illinois, that God would intervene the way only God can to bring about the result that he wants and he's okay with. We'll take a quick break and here on this Everyone Wednesday, how can we be still in our prayer life and know that God is God? Brian Heasley is going to talk to us about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law fights for your rights inside and outside the courtroom. As an experienced trial attorney, Stephanie knows that litigating inside a courtroom often costs you more in terms of money, stress, and time. That's why, for the client's sake, she will work hard to settle without the need for a costly trial. Stephanie consistently led her firm in settled cases each month. Because Stephanie worked for insurance companies for decades, she knows how to talk to them. Her knowledge of the insurance process means she's highly qualified and even enjoys talking to insurance adjusters and attorneys on your behalf. Stephanie challenges them with tough questions and holds them accountable for your benefit. When you're in an accident, you want an attorney that will protect your rights and get you the settlement you deserve. Call the attorney who knows the insurance company's processes inside and out and will fight for your total compensation. Call Stephanie Cover at Cover Law today at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or just go to kbrightradio.com slash cover today. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a topic of conversation that is of great importance to a lot of people, but it's one of those things where we all know we should be doing this. We just don't know really the best way to do it, and that is how could we enter into God's presence, enjoy our quiet time, and literally just with all the distractions in the world, how can we be still? Uh, today here on The Bottom Line, uh, Brian Heasley is going to join us here. Oh, actually, he's with us if you're watching myhopenow.com. 
Brian serves as 24-7 Prayer's International Prayer Director. He travels all over the world, inspiring people and teaching on prayer and mission. He's also a global ambassador for Thy Kingdom Come, which is an initiative of the Archbishop of Canterbury. He's also a trustee of Christian Solidarity Worldwide, uh, which works in the area of freedom of religious belief. He's the author of a brand new book called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. The book is just now out. Brian Heasley, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Roger, so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's a privilege to be with you and your listeners and whoever's watching. Uh, I'm glad I combed my hair. Yes, <laughs> you and me both. Um, we see that Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And how many of us say, that's great. I want to do that, but I don't either don't do a good job of it or I don't really know what that means. Help us understand why that is so central to our understanding of spending time with God and uh, growing stronger in relationship with him. Well, I, I guess, the, interestingly, that Bible verse, Psalm 46, verse 10, the Franciscan monks called that the gateway to prayer. Mm. Quite fascinating. But but if, if we were to step back even further, I, I would probably look at the original intent of our relationship with God. And if I was to go to Genesis chapter chapter three, we see that God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. On a, and mm -hmm. uh, the Hebrew of that, that is quite fascinating. There's a commentator called Ellicott, and he he said that the the Hebrew verb for walking in its reflexive conjugation would mean walking for pleasure. Mm. And I really like that. So when I started to think about like quiet time, it, it often it's walking for guilt, you know, <laughs> I should do this because I'm a Christian and I know right. that Christians are meant to do this. And there's a guilt factor. And I wanted to get to that place where actually a quiet time was walking for pleasure, where there was something about this regular connectedness with God that we introduced into our life that helped sustain us in our walk. And I've been doing ministry uh, for over 30 years. I've got two adult sons and I kind of wanted to write something that I thought, well, what has helped me for the last 30 years sustain my walk with God through good times, bad times, challenging times. And so, and, and I realized that, that probably not just the Sunday morning meeting, I couldn't survive on one meal a week. Right. I need, I needed to develop some rhythms and some routines that enabled me to, uh, to grow in my own spiritual walk so that say for instance i couldn't go to church or you know i worked like a few a month ago i was working with some iranian believers and they they can't go to church you know or right, if, right. if they and that, so they have to develop rhythms and routines that sustain them outside of a, a congregational setting and it, i think it's very important for all of us that we 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 recognize that we need this quiet time that's not guilt-ridden. I think a friend of mine once said, uh, God's primary expression towards us is a smile. Mm. Think about that in terms of a quiet time. I'm entering into the presence of a smiling God, a God mm -hmm. who's pleased to see me, who actually likes to spend time with his creation, likes to spend time talking and communing with us. So I, I think that for me is, is probably... The, one of the major factors is the non-guilt-ridden smile of the Lord that comes upon us when we enter into his presence, uh, mirrored with a kind of like, if I'm going to really grow and take my uh, walk with Jesus seriously, I have to develop a quiet time. I have to develop a time on my own with the Lord. Not always easy, though. 
Yeah. Well, well there, there's a big difference between simple and easy. That's for sure. And uh, oftentimes what is simple just means there aren't many requirements to it, but we know it needs to be done. Brian Heasley is with me today here on The Bottom Line, and his brand new book is called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. Book's just now out. It has hundreds of ratings already that are all pushing the five-star area. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Brian, can I play devil's advocate for just a moment? Because when you said uh, we're talking about the Hebrew and God walking in the garden and the cool of the evening and that smile that came into your voice that also came into uh, to my face as well i have to admit though my natural tendency when i hear of god walking in the garden in the cool of the evening is immediately followed by why are you hiding um what, who told you you were naked i mean basically i want to have that relationship with god but i know that i'm a sinner i know that i'm sinful help us understand how encountering god in that space that you were talking about helps us to become more of the uh, sanctified creature that god desires us to be yeah I, when i when i think about that as well it's often god the omniscient all-knowing god hadn't lost adam and eve they weren't you know even though they hid he hadn't lost them he knew where they were sure there are some that say probably the where art thou was probably more an inquiry into the state of their hearts. And that's mm -hmm. equally scary uh, mm -hmm. for us that we, we you know, we know our, our slothfulness, our kind of the things that we just let slip. So there's often guilt involved in, in, in the, the beginning of a quiet time, which I'm I'm really not too keen on because I believe in a very gracious and merciful God. I, I came to faith out of uh, having been to prison a few times and having a real hard time with drugs many years ago in my in my 20s. And so it, it, the, my my relationship with God was one that was born out of a real sense of forgiveness and knowing his mercy and knowing his grace. I'd grown up in a Christian home. I had the background, but I had mm -hmm. I'd lost my faith in the middle there you know mm -hmm. when i was younger as you can see now i'm not young anymore so there was yeah so it was kind of like the, the the guilt factors there but it's it's one that we put on ourselves because as i said i think god is a god of grace and he's a god of you know gracious pursuit that he's mm -hmm. to be with us and to walk with us so if, if we can get if we can get into our heads the kind of psalm 139 you know that we're fearfully and wonderfully made that mm -hmm. god so all of that, the or the Ephesians, where it talks about we are his workmanship, which kind of translates as we are his poetry, you know, his masterpiece. That that we start to we it's sometimes it's all mixed up in how we think God looks at us, and God looks at us through Jesus, you know, redemption mm -hmm. and through restoration. So for me, it's it's a it's pretty interesting that that happens, but it's also quite challenging to think about how do we then discipline ourselves to do it on a regular basis. Mm. Brian Heasley, the author of Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times, is my guest today here on The Bottom Line Show on our radio broadcast, our podcast at uh, uh, Spotify and uh, tune in all the different places where you can find it. And also our video channel, My Hope Now, where you see that uh, uh, Brian is very young at heart and has you get the cool hair award for sure. I mean, I just, I, I can't, I can't deny it. I'm just lucky to have any, but, but Brian's got a very cool style. Hey, let's talk about this quiet time for just a moment um, in, in terms of how does this look? How does it play out? Because a lot of us think, okay, quiet time with God means I have a journal. I have a copy of scripture. Uh, if I'm, a, I'm an American, that means I have a steaming cup of coffee right next to all those things, because that's what people put on social media, but there's more to it than that. Or is there? Well, that works for some of us. And I, I think the, the key word for me, Rog, is, is 
intentionality. Okay. It'd be intentional. And so I know someone who like for years turned his car into his space for quiet time. Mm. That intentional in, in, in Matthew six, Jesus says, you know, find a room, go away, lock the door, you know? And, and so there's almost like find, find somewhere, find somewhere where you can be. And, and if you can and do have the time to sit and have a coffee by, you know, and with your journal and your Bible in the morning, then that's great. But uh, different seasons of life, different times, you know, when, when right. my, my two boys were young if i'd have said to my wife hey you just get them ready for school i'm just going to go and sit in the corner quietly for an hour (laughs) that wouldn't have been good for our relationship right seasons demand different times i i used to go to the gym when i was a little younger and i've got two sons and when i was doing pushing and pressing the weights i would be lifting them up to the lord as i was you know uh in the gym so i actually think that you know walking is a great place for a quiet time we mm-hmm. get hung up on first thing in the morning just because the old monastics used to do that but with lunchtime works if you can get out for 10 15 minutes you know or and the evening works as well so there's there's a lot i think timings are going to be different for people i think locations going to be different but they all need a degree of intentionality to get there so for me that's the important that we are intentional like jesus he he woke up early and it says in mark and he went to the desert and prayed when he when he takes his disciples he feeds the five thousand he dismisses them and it says he climbed a mountain and prayed and then at the end you know he goes to the garden of gethsemane and prays and so so i see our lord was intentional in going somewhere and cut carving out a space to to pray and you know i don't want to go on but like 150 minutes that's the average amount of time an average human being spends on social media every day wow bible society reckon that would take you 15 minutes a day to read your bible in one year just at a standard rate of reading Mm-hmm. one tenth of what we spend on social media that you could just you if you just read you could read four chapters a day if you just and so i i think that we are all bombarded with multiple uh distractions and distraction is the is the key i think that the, the it's one of the biggest problems that we have culturally right now is that we are a distracted generation mm. distracted Oh my, this is good insight and so grateful to have the time to jet across the pond here and talk with Brian Heasley, the author of the brand new book called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. You can see the picture there up at thebottomlineshow.com and at myhopenow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Amazing uh, insights today here from Brian Heasley here on The Bottom Line Show. Brian, the uh, International Prayer Director of 24-7 Prayers International Prayer Team. Uh, He's the author of this brand new book that we've got up at thebottomlineshow.com. If you're looking for a way to really put a little pep in your step when it comes to your quiet time and you're growing deeper in your your relationship with the Lord, I highly commend to you his book called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times, which we have linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. Brian, earlier on in the conversation we were discussing uh you mentioned distraction you mentioned you know the the, the journaling moving forward one of the things that uh, the way you've listed these different attributes these different aspects of having uh, a, a better more effective more meaningful more fruitful quiet time is you talk about uh the concept of experiencing not only mission but also justice you know having a reason for doing what you're doing as far as your faith in the Lord uh, entails. Talk about what what that means. I don't think a lot of people think of well. I'm going to have my quiet time. Uh, whether I love that you know, the concept of having it in the car because <laughs> I've done that myself on occasion. But the, you know, I don't think of my quiet time as a time of justice. Talk about that. Yeah, uh, I, I 
whenever we spend time with the Lord, I genuinely believe that our hearts become orientated towards what his heart is orientated towards. Mm -hmm. I think it was Pierce from World Vision who said, Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. Yes. And when I was young. I, I, I used to do, uh, before I got expelled from school, I used to do a little, they did a chemistry exam where you rubbed a kind of a needle against a magnet and eventually the needle became magnetized and it pointed towards magnetic north. Mm. And, I genuinely think that when we spend time with the Lord, we we end up pointing in the direction that he points. And I think God often, pretty much all of the time, points towards the least, the last and the lost. Mm. And someone who gets into a deep and serious relationship with Jesus will recognize that he is orientated towards the least, the last and the lost. And we get we get pointed in that general direction. It's almost like breathing in and breathing out. I breathe. Right in i breathe him in and but i'm called to breathe him out in in mission to breathe him out in justice to breathe him out you know in in being kind to so so it's this kind of it's it's almost reciprocal but it's almost uh, like a sense of alignment it, it kind of the church sometimes or leaders at least as i travel the world i see leaders that are burnt out because they're charging around doing loads and loads and they're not breathing in they're just breathing yeah it's almost like when you go on a plane and they do the safety talk at the beginning and they say uh if you know before you put anyone else's mask on put your own mask on first Very and true. many of us that don't put our own mask on first and we're trying to help lots of other people and we become stressed overworked overburdened like in the words of psalm 127 we get caught up in the eating the bread of anxious toil when we're when we're really called to be people who breathe deeply of god and 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 live out of this kind of almost a place of contemplative activism and mm. and I meet loads of activists and because I work for a prayer organization, I meet loads of contemplatives where I see it really working in humans and in organizations is where does this kind of blend of both people who breathe in and breathe out the contemplative activists. And so there's, there's something important in, in that. And yeah, it's not just, I, God, I want you to save my friend. You know, that's really important. We, we need to petition for the Lord to break into our friendships and our families. But it's also, Lord, speak to me. Show me where you'd like to be. Direct my thoughts. Point me in the right direction. Orientate me to a softness towards you that when I'm out and about, if I see someone in need, I'll pray for them. I'll talk to them. I'll care for them. So it, it's a, it becomes almost an, the, the, the quiet time orientates us to live well as Christians in the everyday life. Brian Heasley is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Some great insights about prayer and your quiet time. His brand new book is called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, Brian, you write about the uh, the level of depth of our spiritual relationships. And oftentimes, when, especially when it's coming through our relationship with the Lord, when we are in quiet time, that's when we have one of two encounters, and sometimes they happen simultaneously. One is, um, oh my goodness, this is really incredible. My soul is being nourished and fed and encouraged. And the other is, oh my gosh, I had no idea that I had such a shallow view of this aspect of my life of God. Talk about why the depth that we gain from our relationship with God, the, the foothold that grows a little deeper, should be part of the outcome instead of just saying, okay, I made my list, God, here are my prayers. I'll sit for 15 seconds until you can give me answers. And then I've, I've got a meeting. Yeah. I mean, the Apostle Paul talks about being deeply rooted and grounded in love. And I want to be deeply rooted and grounded in love. And to do that, I have to do more than just my petitionary list. I have mm. to 
spend time. I think part of it as well is that we live in a culture of immediacy. And actually, we need to learn the art of perseverance in a culture of immediacy because we have lo lost the art of long-term persistence that we of spend day in, day out time with the Lord. We I can't tell you what I had for breakfast last Tuesday, but it was good for me. You know, and I think we kind of, if we're, if we're not careful, we get sucked into a world of of highs, you know, of adrenaline rushes and highlights. And then whenever we don't get that in a time of prayer, we're kind of like, oh, my goodness, God's not here. I can't feel him. I'm not getting the goosebumps or whatever. But we just need to put in the the the, the long hours of spending time with him. I don't mean I'm, I'm not even saying that in a boring way. I, I, I prefer to call it the art of perseverance rather than, you know, mm perseverance or the work of perseverance because i think there's something beautiful that happens in us and through us when we learn to do something regularly and consistently yes. and tends to draw us deeper in fact if often when people come to me and say brian i feel my quiet times dried up i don't think it has i think it's god saying come a little bit deeper come and find me in a different way move right. closer so, so, you know, it, maybe it's changed the, changed the version of the Bible you're reading, read a different one, just to stretch your brain a little bit, you know, to make mm -hmm. you feel better. Cause, cause I don't know about you, Roger, but sometimes like we, we autopilot through scripture because we've read it so many times. So I get, right. I get a new version every now and then and read it. So it, it helps me come at things fresh. So sometimes when people are drying up, I, I, I say, well, ha hang on. Have you thought, have you, have you ever journaled? They might say, no, and you try some journaling or, you know, I sometimes hold a holding cross while I pray. And, and that helps me. I'm not, there's nothing weird about holding something while you pray. Sometimes I mm -hmm. hold a rock. I have this rock that I hold that I got from the Island of Iona. You mm -hmm. know? Nice. And and I hold it and, and and it reminds me of the pilgrimage, you know, Psalm 84, you know, blessed are those whose heart are set on pilgrimage. There's nothing special in the rock or the wood, but I do different things to help me uh, keep moving deeper into that relationship. I love the the creativity that uh, Brian Heasley is sharing with us today here on The Bottom Line as we talk about A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. The new book is called Be Still, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Not that we would ever put a time clock on God, Brian, but we only have about 90 seconds left in our conversation together. Uh, what What is your desire? What is your hope? What did God lay on your heart when you said, uh, he said, okay, it's time to write this book? What are you hoping that the believer would pull from it? What are you hoping for the searcher? Who might come across this book and say what is this all about i don't i don't understand i wanted to create a simple and practical guide to help people grow in their daily devotional life something with little questions at the end of each chapters and some little helpful creative tips to help people grow but my heart really was that each one of us would grow deeper in our knowledge and understanding of god that there'd be a that there'd almost be a revolution in our hearts, one one that it became that point where we actually looked forward to the quiet time, where it was a, de a desire of our hearts to go and sit before the king, to be still, as it were, and to listen and to spend time with him. So I, I, my heart really be that people would grow deeper in their relationship with Jesus. That's number one for me. Amen. Well, just from one uh, uh, brother to another, I think mission accomplished. And that's why we're having this conversation here on the Bottom Line Show today. Brian Heasley has been my guest. The book is called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. We've got a link for the book up at the thebottomlineshow.com. Brian, a pleasure to get to know you and to have this dialogue with you. Thanks for being with us today here on the Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much, Roger. It's lovely to meet you. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. 
Great book, powerful conversation, and I'm so grateful that we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book to give away here on this Everyone Wednesday. Brian Heasley, the author of the book, Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you have ever asked why is it that I have such a hard time applying that command from Psalm 46? Be still and know that I am God. Why is it so difficult for me to put that into practice in my life? This book will help you get there. Again, it's called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times by Brian Heasley, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're going to take this word here and put it into practice. We're going to be still before the Lord. Let's do that. Coming up next, as the bottom line continues. Our friends at Preborn always do such a great job of keeping us up to date with bottom line show listeners, especially here in Southern California, who reach out to us and let us know that they are supporting Preborn. Uh, Milton in Lake Elsinore reached out over Labor Day weekend and made a gift of $840, a one-time donation to support ultrasounds and the uh, making them available to women all throughout the Southland through Preborn. Uh, if you're wondering why $840, it costs $28 to provide an ultrasound. That's the images, the pregnancy test, the meeting with the technician to show you how far along you are, and then to explain what you're options are and 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics and get the ultrasound test done for free to them we pay for it I mean we as supporters of preborn 85% uh, of the women choose life for their children either to become a mother or to release that child for adoption do what Milton did he picked 30 I, I'm not what sure the, the math was behind that but he picked 30 kids to sponsor 30 appointments at $28 a piece $840 donation, one-time tax deductible. Make your gift today. 833-850-BABY, uh, 833-850-2229, or go online to kbrightradio.com. You'll see a picture of a couple of cute uh, newborn twins. Click that banner, make your donation today. My thanks again to Brian Heasley for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. Brian, of course, uh, has made prayer his ministry uh, in the work that he has done, um, <laughs> quite frankly, uh, as a guy who is the 24-7 Prayers International Prayer Director. He's also a, trust, a trustee of Christian Solidarity Worldwide, works in the area of freedom of religious belief, and is also a global ambassador for Thy Kingdom Come, which is an initiative of the Archbishop of Canterbury. His book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. It's Everyone Wednesday, and we have three copies of this book to give away. It's called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Let's come before the Lord now as we wrap up this half hour and uh, bring our prayers and petitions to him for our nation, for the world, um, and for the, the coming of what we are, well, the foretaste of the feast to come. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us these airwaves to broadcast your good news. Thank you for giving us this time every day on the different stations, on KBRT, AM 740 in Southern California, uh, FM 100.7 in Corona, uh, AM 1240, K-Bright Radio in San Diego, uh, FM 103.3 in National City for uh, KCBC, AM 770 in uh, Northern California, Central Valley all the way up through past Sacramento, and for FM 94.7 in Modesto. For our friends at KLTT, 
uh, AM 670 in Denver that covers the whole state and in our, our friends in Wyoming that we're meeting right now too. And also our KLDC friends at AM 1220 in Colorado and everyone who listens on the app and on the uh, website, everyone who uh, follows us at My Hope Now, you've given us so many different platforms to share your good news, Lord. And we are grateful. We think of our brothers and sisters in Illinois right now who are who, who were hoodwinked and, and need prayer, but also need direction and guidance. I pray that you would use this time, whether they have to sell the building and start over somewhere else, wake them from that slumber that they got lulled into for whatever reason, uh, without any condemnation, but to help them to move forward. And for the other churches that we saw during the pandemic who wound up coming up on the short end, for the churches that are thriving, help them continue to thrive. And for the ones that were kind of wasting away, Father, help us not to idle our time in your service. Help us not to, to trifle away opportunities. Help us to be good, godly stewards of what you envision for us, to be the best us's you want us to be. Not because we think it's that way. For, for some people, it might mean uh, enhancing things in your life. For others, it might mean downsizing for contributing to a ministry like preborn and helping to save uh, the lives of these preborn children who uh, would otherwise uh, wind up having no one to care for them, but for the adoptive families that are happy to receive the children that the moms and dads who go to preborns and can't uh, find the way to raise those kids. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us each and every day through your word, through the songs, through the Bible teaching of the ministers that are heard here on Bottom Line Show affiliates all across the country in all 30 markets that carry this program. And Father, I thank you for the Crawford family, their dedication to serving you for all these years and, and for giving me life and breath each day. And especially now that we hit about the second half of uh, the, the seasons of the Bottom Line Show pre and post-surgery. Father, thank you. I love you, we love you, and we worship and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. KCBC audience, it's time for Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Don't forget Bottom Line Show Extra coming up tonight at 7, and the Bottom Line Rewind tomorrow at 10.30. Tomorrow's edition is going to be the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. For those who remain on the network, NFL season kicked off literally and figuratively last week, and a leading politician had a big gripe with the pregame show calling it racist, calling it unnecessary and said it was divisive to our nation. But was it really? I'm going to take a look at the two national anthems that were performed last week at the Kansas City Detroit kickoff classic. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, still taking your calls at 800-227-5278. Uh, we're giving away a copy of the outstanding book by Brian Heasley called Be Still, A Simple Guide to Quiet Times. If Psalm 4610, I believe it is, be still and know that I am God. We hear that. And yet, how do you develop a regular quiet time? How do you make room in your day to make sure that you're hearing the voice of God and it's really touching your heart? How do you spend time reflecting on what God's doing? You know, It's so easy with all the attractive distractions in this life that can keep us from him. Uh, being still, you know, it's more than just that command. Your grandmother used to say, said, ah, oh, be still, you know, when you were younger. Uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We have three copies of this book that we're giving away today here on this Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Last week, um, 
there was the uh, opening day for the National Football League. It was on Thursday. Um, I, is it Prime or YouTube? Or I, I can't keep all the networks straight. Years ago, when I first started working for the Fox Network, I was, was and still remain the commercial billboard guy. Matter of fact, I think it's tonight. There's a MasterChef program or something like that. And let me see if I can find the copy for you. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what time you're going to hear this. If you're, if you're listening in real time, then this will make sense. If you're not listening in real time, then you'll probably go, Roger, what on earth are you talking about? But I, I, I do have a, a, a life outside of the bottom line show. I uh, do some commercial uh, billboard work. I, uh, I freelance for uh, Dr. Dobson's family talk. And I also uh, work for um, the Fox Network. Um, I've been doing that for this is my 31st year um, as the brought to you by guy for the uh, Fox Broadcasting Network. And as a matter of fact, when I uh, first started doing that, when Fox News Sunday was first started, I was the guy who did the Fox News Sunday. It's brought to you by Archer Daniels Midland Company, ADM, supermarket to the world. Um, it, it was anyway, it was just it was a lot of fun. So uh, to do, I just did one um, this past week that's going to air tonight on MasterChef, as a matter of fact. And so when the opening theme comes up and then it goes down and then the slide comes up with MasterChef and the music is a little louder than I like it. But then you hear a voice saying MasterChef is sponsored by Horizon Therapeutics. Search help by TED to learn about thyroid eye disease. Uh, that's what I do. <laughs> so um, been doing that since October of 1992. It'll be 31 years next month. And it's a lot of fun to do it. But I remember back in those early days of Fox at the Metro Media Building in Los Angeles, uh, there was a guy there, brother in Christ, by the name of Harlan Milton, who was the operations manager. And uh, we used to have a great time talking about basketball, football, baseball, the Lord, um, marriage, family, all that stuff. And we had a conversation about uh, sports. And at the time, the NFL was on uh, all day Sunday was on Monday night, and I think college football was on Saturday. And college eventually started trying different nights of the week when ESPN got contracts. And, and then they got into uh, these different days of the week. And, and Harlan told me one day, this is in 1994, I think. Fox had just gotten the rights to the NFL. And um, I didn't get a chance to do the sports billboards, which made me kind of sad, but, you know, life happens. And um, ironically it was another christian brother there who kept me from getting that that's a whole different story i'm not bitter anymore um but the uh i remember harlan telling me he said roger if you showed nfl games at five o'clock in the morning on thursday you'd have big numbers people just love the nfl and it's true this thursday night football thing that started last uh, then the season kicked off last week um turned out because I believe it was the NFL Network wanted a game of the week and they had the Sunday night game and then that went to NBC and then they moved it around and I'm pretty sure now they stream it I, maybe it's on Fox but it's also on YouTube or one of the streaming services it's tough for those of us who still remember appointment TV when the whole world has gone mobile right but anyway a long way around the barn to say what I'm about to share because there's a woman by the name of Carrie Lake who ran unsuccessfully for governor of the state of Arizona. Now, she may or may not have been kind of swindled out of that position. Uh, there were some discrepancies in Arizona with votes being counted twice or not counted at all, machines where they, the ballots didn't fit the machines for counting purposes, et cetera, et cetera. Carrie Lake, by the way, up until 18 months ago, was a news anchor. She, 
she was a news reporter and uh, she had a, a health challenge or something like that. You know, I want to say in um, the fall of 2021, took a considerable amount of time off. And then in January, announced her retirement and said, I'm running for governor. And she ran and she ran unsuccessfully, ran as a Republican. Uh, she's a fascinating testimony. Apparently, she grew up a Buddhist, but now she is a professing Christian. Um, at least talks a good talk. We've had a lot of politicians who knew how to speak Christian without necessarily living it. I know a lot of uh, young Christian adults who follow Carrie Lake online and support her, including a former pastor uh, friend of mine's son. But nonetheless, when the NFL opened up uh, their season last Thursday, I saw the stuff all over social media that said, hey, uh, Natalie Grant, contemporary Christian artist from long ago, still making great music, is going to be singing the national anthem at Arrowhead Stadium on September, uh, back on, well, whatever day it was, September 7th. I thought, how cool is that? I mean, to have, you know, this uh, contemporary Christian artist uh, saying, hey, you know, th this is really remarkable. Well, unfortunately, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, that wasn't the only anthem that was sung. The NFL in recent years, I want to say it was last year, it might have even been the year before, has made it a habit of including in the pregame ceremony a hymn. The hymn is called Lift Every Voice and Sing. And the hymn is typically performed by a local gospel choir or whatever, typically before the Star Spangled Banner performance. They did it at the Super Bowl. I think there were three songs. Somebody sang God Bless America, then they did Live Every Voice, and then they did Star Spangled Banner. It's kind of a nice little, you know, triumvirate there. But Carrie Lake took offense to the fact that they did, in fact, sing, lift every voice and sing, because it has been referred to by some people as the quote-unquote Black National Anthem. And the reason the NFL started doing that, including that into their pregame coverage, was a direct result of what happened in 2020 with the beating death of George Floyd and Ahmed Arbery and a variety of other African-Americans who died at, uh, you know, at the hands of police. Now, Lift Every Voice and Sing was written in 1900. Uh, the NAACP, the National Association uh, for the Advancement of Colored People, as that's what NAACP stands for now, uh, began to promote it at, all the way back in 1917, saying this is the hymn, this is the anthem that we should be singing. This is actually more appropriate than the Star Spangled Banner. Um, you know, and, and, and this is so, that's kind of a song that's been near and dear to African-Americans for many, many years. Carrie Lake went on social media and said, this is ridiculous. Here's the quote. I hear the NFL is still trying to force this divisive nonsense down America's throats. I won't stand for it, literally. America has only one, all caps, national anthem, and that anthem is colorblind. Now, there are many other people on social media who really didn't like to have that. By the way, um, the gospel duet, Mary Mary, performed it ahead of the Super Bowl between the Rams and the, uh, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals last year. Uh, it was played at the NFL draft in April of 2021. 
And I've done this before, but I felt it's time to maybe revisit this conversation because I know a lot of people are saying, I don't want a black national anthem or as it originally was referred to as the Negro national anthem. Um, but I want to know the history of this. What is this song all about? If it's a song about, you know, uh, overcoming and overtaking and, you know, a, a lot of people, especially in white Christian America, go, hey, we don't want this to be an overthrow of the government type of thing. Is this some kind of black nationalist thing? Well, I want to get into the history of Lift Every Voice and Sing on the other side of this break. It is a hymn. Um, it has a rich Christian history, and I'd like to make a case for why I believe it's not necessarily the end of the world if the NFL says, let's perform, lift every voice and sing, and the Star Spangled Banner, and God Bless America. Let's take a look at the lyrics. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Carrie Lake, the uh, failed candidate, I, but she didn't win. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought she would have made a great governor of Arizona, but apparently not enough people voted or they didn't get the machines right or Arizona's got their own problems to deal with. Um, she went to, well, it used to be called Twitter. Now it's called X and voiced her displeasure with the fact that the quote-unquote black national anthem was played before the real American national anthem. And a lot of African-Americans have a hard time with that because they think they should be upset about it uh, because they've been told they should be upset about it. So Lift Every Voice has been called the Negro national anthem and the black national anthem dating back to 1917. It's kind of been... Uh, a precious gem that's been held in the African-American community. Carrie Lake tweeted out and saying that, uh, you know, look, I, I hear the NFL still trying to force this divisive nonsense down America's throats. I won't stand for it, literally, reference to the people who kneel during the national anthem because they think it's racist. And then she said, wrote, America has only one, all caps, national anthem, and that anthem is colorblind. Okay, so lift every voice and sing is a hymn it was written, the lyrics were written by James Weldon Johnson, who lived from 1871 to 1938. His brother, J. Roseman Johnson, set it to uh, music a few years later. The context of the hymn is it's a prayer of thanksgiving. It's a prayer to God for faithfulness, and it's a prayer of freedom. The idea is Using the example of the biblical exodus from slavery into the promised land, it was a song of hope that many people in the African-American community used to sing as a way of saying, hey, I mean, this is 
this is uh, this is what we long for. This is what we want. And it's hard to argue with the logic of it. When you look at the lyrics to the song and you look at the reason why it was run, it, why it was written in the first place, it premiered in 1900. Um, it's been, it was, they began to promote it as the Negro National Anthem by the NAACP in 1917. Uh, it's become, it, it was part of the, uh, 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 the, the, the protest in 2020. As a matter of fact, House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn sponsored a bill proposing that it be designated as the national hymn of the United States. And of course, many people were in favor of it. Other people were against it. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know, or I don't know, do we have a national hymn? I I'll, guess I'll look that up during the break. Do we have a national hymn? And if we don't have a national hymn, why not have this one? I mean, when you think about the lyrics, which we'll get into in just a moment, think of the different um, the different reasons for having the Star Spangled Banner as our national anthem versus God Bless America. Now, for me, if I had to choose between the two, I would pick God Bless America. I, I love the lyric. I mean, the opening line is the one we sing. I'm sure there are other lines too that Irving Berlin wrote, but God bless America. Land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above, from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans, white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God, yeah, you, my home sweet home. Who, who can argue with that? That's what we want. That's the goal. That's the ideal. But when did we adopt a national anthem in the U.S.? It's a quick question I'm typing here. When did the national anthem become the national anthem? Do you know when it became the national anthem? Now look at the timing of this. Lift Every Voice and Sing was written as a hymn in 1900. It was adopted by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP, in 1917 to be the Negro national anthem. The Star Spangled Banner was adopted as the national anthem of the United States in 1916. President Woodrow Wilson made it a national, made it an executive order. By 1931, President Herbert Hoover made it a public law. What was the national anthem prior to that? Well, there were a number of songs that served. Uh, my Country Tis of Thee, which of course is a different lyric to God Save the Queen. Um, Hail Columbia also served in this role. Um, you know, it's interesting because the the differences between the Star Spangled Banner and, uh, you know, that Francis Scott Key wrote and when it became our national anthem, of course, that uh, the, 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 the poet, the poetry uh, was first, this was actually first used by the Navy in 1889. Uh, he wrote it on September 14th, ironically, uh, 109 years ago tomorrow, he wrote the lyrics to the Star Spangled Banner after witnessing the massive overnight British, you know, assault and onslaught on uh, Fort McHenry. As a matter of fact, the, uh, uh, the original title of it was not the Star Spangled Banner per se, but rather it was about the uh, attack on Fort McHenry. And it was that way, um, it was circulated as a handbill. Um, the lyrics were then published in a Baltimore newspaper on September the 20th in 1814. And then the, 
words were set to tune, the tune to Anacreon in Heaven, which is an English song, uh, in the 19th century. So for about 100 years, it was kind of the unofficial national anthem. And then President Hoover signed the executive order in 1916. And then came the other. What's interesting to me about this is the timing, first and foremost. Isn't it interesting that during the Reconstruction era of the United States, a song that had been a Revolutionary War song that had kind of just been hummed and adopted as our national anthem, uh, wasn't ever officially made the national anthem, but once the African-American community had a hymn that they liked, and remember the Star Spangled Banner isn't a hymn per se, whereas Lift Every Voice and Sing is, that in 1916, President Wilson signs an executive order saying that's the national anthem. So the following year, 1917, the NAACP says, oh yeah, well, this is our national anthem. And for a hundred years, we've never really reconciled this. May I read you the lyrics? I won't butcher singing, lift every voice and sing. But this is the hymn that has Carrie Lake all on a Twitter that the NAACP should, thought should be the black national anthem. And I will read the lyrics to you and then ask you the question, do you think this would make a good national hymn? Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Second verse, stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod. Now you can imagine what that's a direct reference to. Felt in the days when hope unborn had died, yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died? We have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Oh, that's such good writing. Out of the gloomy past, till now we stand at last, where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. Isn't this inspiring? The third verse of Lift Every Voice and Sing. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path, we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we meet thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand, true to our God, true to our native land. Now that is the hymn that got Carrie Lake all tied up in knots. It's a beautiful song. It's an inspiring song. It is a song that does not back away from America's past. If sung, as written by African-Americans and sung by African-Americans, God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who hast brought us thus far on the way, thou who hast led us by thy might, led us into the light, keep us forever in the path we pray. How encouraging is that? Stony in the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, felt in the days when hope unborn had died. Yet, with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died? In other words, we've turned a corner. We have our freedom. 
This is not a sign of re- a song of revolution that I hear. It's a song of rejoicing. So is there room for a national hymn and a national anthem? Wouldn't it be more appropriate for us as Americans to sing God bless America and let lift every voice and sing? Or does it only belong to one community and not to the whole nation? I'll have some final thoughts on that coming up next as the bottom line continues. 833-850-BABY. That's the number I've been telling you about for the past year here on the bottom line to call our friends at Preborn and make a tax-deductible donation to save lives. You want a sure thing? Let me give you a couple of guarantees. First, when you call Preborn and make a tax-deductible donation of $28, you are providing an ultrasound appointment for a woman who is facing a pregnancy that perhaps she didn't think was going to happen. Or maybe she's in between insurance and she wants to get more than just, a, you know, that pregnancy test that she takes at the store. Preborn will do the testing for her. They'll do the ultrasound appointment for her and then tell her what her options are because a lot of women, quite frankly, aren't quite sure. They're told by the world, you're either going to have the baby or you're going to have an abortion. But there's the adoption option and Preborn can explain adoption. Preborn can explain how to go through the attorneys. Preborn can explain all the resources available to you as an expectant mother, whether you are married or not. So we encourage you to make a donation. $28 provides one ultrasound appointment, 280 provides 10, and $15,000 one-time donation to Preborn will give a new ultrasound machine to a Preborn clinic that needs one. Call 833-850-BABY today, 833-850-2229, or click the banner at kbrightradio.com. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I think I have a modest proposal here that would help everyone win when it comes to this debate over whether or not the national anthem, Star Spangled Banner, is racist and if Left Every Voice and Sing should be the, the new one, or is it a, uh, um, well, let me, I read you the lyrics to Live Every Voice and Sing. Carrie Lake, the former uh, candidate, former news anchor and candidate for governor on the GOP side in Arizona, tweeted out that she found it divisive and offensive. Uh, I didn't see anything in the lyrics that were divisive and offensive. They were instructive and inspiring to me. But then again, there are people in the African-American community who don't like the Star Spangled Banner. And here's the reason why. We always sing the first verse and everybody knows it by heart. Oh, say, can you see you by the dawn's early light? You know that. It's the third verse that gets people upset because of one word. See if you can find it. And where is that band who savantingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion? I can see why we don't sing this. A home and a country should leave us no more. Their blood was washed out of their foul footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of our of the brave. What well, you get the idea? They don't like the line that says, "No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of the flight or the gloom of the grave." The reference was to the fact that there were many escaped slaves or freed slaves who hired themselves out to fight for the British. And there were slaves who were fighting for our side as well. In 1814, that was a reality in the United States. It doesn't mean that this is a racist and, uh, you know, gentrified song just because they were saying, look, there was nowhere for anyone to go. I mean, everybody was out there. And yet... 
the Star Spangled Banner in triumph did wave. America still was able to live another day in spite of the thousands of bombs that hit Fort McHenry in Baltimore. Now, this does tell the story of that battle, but is it more indicative of the story of America? I think we would be possibly better served by making God Bless America and Lift Every Voice and Sing a combination that we sang before sporting events. You know, the reason we have the patriotic pledge and things like that too at a lot of these events, it's kind of cultural. There's nothing legal about it. We don't have to do it by law. Matter of fact, the NFL does the flyovers and all that stuff for the military because the military pays them for it. It's all about marketing. But here's the thing. Why don't we as Christians commit to actually read the lyrics? Maybe that could be a campaign for us. Let's know what we're talking about so well that when someone says, I think that's unconstitutional, or I think that's offensive, or I think that's not right, or that's a lie, that we actually know what we are talking about. The Star Spangled Banner, as written, does not put African-American people in a disadvantage. Some people would argue it does. I'll respectfully disagree. But Lift Every Voice and Sing does not put white America on the whole and in danger of being overthrown either. As a matter of fact, that hymn has been published in 42 different Christian hymnals of all different denominations and ethnicities over the years. Many people sing it in church all the time and don't have any problem with it. It's a very, very inspiring song. So is it the song or the way it was performed? Is it the song or where it was performed and how it was used? What if Lift Every Voice and Sing and God Bless America became songs that we sang about the hope and future that we have as Americans, but we sung them as prayers to our Lord and Savior, who's the only one who can make those prayers answerable. Lord, heal our land. Not that you're preserving America for such a time as this. We know that you have plans for us just like you have plans for every other nation, but help us to cling to you and keep our hands open enough so that we could take your hand with one and our neighbors with the other. We ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. That's the bottom line.